Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, a Cheyenne Hills podcast where you can find just the message portion of our services each week. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching portion of our services, whether listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. And now here's today's message. Going through life, we pick up pieces from our parents, friends, books, from newspaper headlines and social media comments. Together, these pieces make up our worldview, our picture of reality. But most people never check to see if their pieces even fit together, let alone add up to a whole picture. As Christians, our worldview is anchored in unshakable truth that transcends opinion, bias, or personal narrative. But how many of these other pieces have we added that don't fit? Maybe it's time for a reality check. A reality check. I think every one of us probably need this. I'm basically going to go through what it looks like to have a puzzle pieces. Most of them are put together for most of us, but there's still pieces that maybe don't fit or maybe need to be reevaluated. Based on that, we're going to take a look at reality check. In 1898, Morgan Robertson published a book called Futility. It was a fictional story about a transatlantic voyage from England to New York. Apparently, this ship was the biggest ship that has ever been built, and according to this novel, it was the fastest ship that ever been built, and it actually was unsinkable. Lo and behold, it was going across the Atlantic and ran into an iceberg and sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic. Half of the passengers perished in this particular novel, 1898, if you're keeping track in this novel that came out. Half of the passengers perished because there were not enough lifeboats on the ship. Can you imagine that? Of course, that's crazy. In reality, 20 years later, there was a ship called Titanic that did leave England and was on a transatlantic voyage. And it was the biggest, fastest, unsinkable ship that could ever been, could even be imagined. And it was going too fast. It ran into an iceberg and sank to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Now, we know this to be a reality because, well, I know it's reality because I saw the movie. I've heard Celine Dion sing the song. I mean, I know it's real. But what's interesting is people use this, uh, this idea. I mean, none of us doubt that there was a Titanic and nobody doubt that they ran into an iceberg and sank. Even though someone wrote a novel, it's crazy that someone wrote a novel beforehand, isn't it? 20 years before that. And kind of freaky a little bit, I think. But it's still, they wrote this, and then reality, it happened a little bit later. Well, one of the things that's happening in our day, according to Gregory Kukul, in this book called Reality, I'm going to talk about this book today a little bit. This book, I just want to tell you, this is, um, we have this group called Young Guns, and they, uh, um, every Tuesday morning, or th- uh, Thursday morning, actually, um, you know, Casey's one of them. They just did the communion. Casey and um, uh, Jacob is an intern with us. And uh, uh, Tiffany's on, she's on staff. She's a children's director. And then Sarah is a part of the children's ministry. Um, there's a couple of, uh, Carson was a part of that until he had to move to Florida. And we're missing him already. But anyway, there's, just in case he's listening. Um, and so hope he's doing well. But anyway, there's a group of us that gets together and we've been going through different kinds of books. This one is, happens to be Reality Check. And I will tell you, this is just a little commercial for those of you who are grow group leaders. This is, has stirred more discussion 
and probably helped us in piecing together our own theology. I it, it, this think about this theology as a puzzle, and this book is really like the puzzle box. This is the picture, right? And so we need to look at the picture and then try to put these pieces together like the picture looks. This book is, is that picture. And every one of us, I would think that if you, we could be honest with ourselves, that there could be some pieces that are out of place. And once we look at the picture, we think, maybe these go over here and maybe these go over here. I think we all need to take a look, a reality check when it comes to the things of God and these puzzle pieces. We call this a worldview. A worldview addresses the big things. It's like, where did we come from? How did things go wrong? How is, what is the solution? And where do we, where are we going? How does this thing end? Those are the four major things that a worldview has to answer. And some of these worldviews in, in life, they, um, I would say, answer part of it sort of well, but they have pieces missing. And according to Gregory Corkle, the Christian worldview is the only one that is a true picture of reality. I'll give you some more information on that, but that's his statement of, of why it's important to have an understanding of a biblical worldview. Now, just so you know, every one of us shares our worldview all the time. You might be talking about, I don't know, you're, you're talking about anything. It's like, well, I think, or my belief, or this is my take on, anytime you do that, what you're basically doing is you're expounding your worldview, your view of how things really are. And I would say that every one of us needs to be challenged on that worldview, just to, just to make sure. And so what we're going to go through this morning is some of what that looks like. Now, I ask you at Christmas if you would be willing to be all in going into this new year. And some of you I know have taken the challenge because you've told me. And the challenge is really to go all in. I'm going to read this passage to you because I think this is key to, to be an all in. Jeremiah 29, 13. You can write this one down in your, in your, um, in your book or in your, in even in your Bible somewhere. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Our ushers are bringing you a Bible. You might want to grab one as we're going to go through the beginnings today in, in Genesis. And I'd like for you to have a Bible to, to, to peruse through. So just raise your hand. They'll give you one. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's being all in. That's saying, hey, I, I, I'm going to seek with all my heart. I think this is crucial. Jesus said it a different way. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And whoever seeks, finds. And whoever knocks, the door will be open. And so this idea of pursuing a worldview, a biblical worldview, pursuing things of God, pursuing and trying to understand. Because I think what happens, I think it's a lot like Casey just said. A lot of us just get so comfortable with our terminology so comfortable, yeah, Jesus died for me. Not really even wondering what that means. Not even, not even thinking about the impact and the power of that in my life and the change that, that's a game changer. Because there's a problem. And if you understand that there's a Savior who fixed that problem, that's a, that's a worldview that's, that's a, puts you in a different place. I think it's important to go all in. And I I think some of you, I know you're, we're going to talk about that tonight. And, and I would say to you, listen, if you want to go through these steps or, and, and Casey and, um, unpack those steps really well, make sure that it's a time when you can 
look at your schedule and say, okay, for the next three weeks, I'm going to commit to doing this. The next three Sundays. If you can't, I would say wait till the next round so that you can take, commit three weeks to this because there, there is kind of a um, additive effect to this, and I think it'll, it'll flow a lot better if you don't just piecemeal it, but if it's a time where you can say, okay, I'm committing, I'm going all in because we're going to start tonight, and, um, and, and it'll continue on for the next two weeks of this, of this what we call the growth track. But as for today, I want to make sure that at least as best we can to make sure our theology, our worldview, looks like the box cover. And we're going to start in Genesis at the very beginning. Let's make sure that we've got things square from the, from the beginning. Now, the song that our worship team just sang, I think it was perfect. It's like... Um, I believe in the name of Jesus. This is more than just a story. It's a, this is a reality. They, they sing about that and, and believe that. Well, it is a story. And these stories, it is a reality. And I believe it's a reality. But in this story, God tells this story and he places himself as the main character of this story. And I, I think I can prove that to you by just looking at Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created that's the first thing that God wants to know. In the beginning, there was a beginning, God. Now, I don't know what your worldview says. Some of your worldview says, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a, it was God or not. Uh, maybe it's a big bang. All right. If you want to do big bang worldview, that's fine. I'll even work with you on that. As long as I can talk about the big banger. Because I think that big bang had to have somebody to bang that thing. Start it. The worldview from the scriptures is he's, he breathed this out of nothing. Ex nihilo. He spoke and this, this came into being. Could be a big bang if you want to call it that. But those are the kinds of things I think from the very beginning you have to recognize. On the, it's like, wow, I'm not sure if that's my worldview. Then I'm going to challenge you. Let's, let's just take a look at this. I can't. And make you change your worldview, you're going to have to do that yourself. And nobody, I would say nobody has this worldview perfect. We all are going back and re-reminding ourselves and, and working through some of these things. In the beginning, God created. That's his story. Now, when you go to school, you're, you're hearing all kinds of things. You're hearing that evolution, you're hearing we evolved from a, a little pool of ooze and we, you know, goo to you or whatever you want to call it. You just evolved from one thing to the next. And finally, we have this complex human being that can speak and touch and feel and think and, and reason. That's a worldview. In the beginning, God created Let's go back through here as I want you to see how I believe he is the main character in this story. And I'm just going to kind of skip through basically all of chapter one, but you're going to get the idea. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day <coughs> and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning first day. Kind of get the picture, didn't you? That God's kind of a big deal. He did this. I think one of the things you have to understand, and I think one of the things this book helps with, is it re-reminds us that in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one, Trinity is what we call that. In the Godhead, he is completely, in eternity past, he didn't, he, they weren't sitting around saying, or he wasn't sitting around saying, uh, we need to add some humans to this, I'm bored. 
God didn't need us, but he chose to include us. And that perspective is a big deal because some of your worldviews doesn't have God as the main character. You see man or even yourself as the main character. According to God, God's the main character. He has chosen to include us. Now, that's a worldview that changes a whole lot of what you think of you and what I think of me. It's going to shape your worldview. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God, all the way through that first verse, there was God did this and God did this. Look at verse six. And God said, let there be expanse in the midst of the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters. And there was expanse of the waters that were above and expanse that were below. And, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was an evening and morning the second day. And verse nine says, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and the dry land appear. And so God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together and they called seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout with vegetation. And it continues on how the, the plants and vegetation, verse 14. And God said, let there be the lights in the expanse of the heavens separate the day and the night and let the signs of the seasons for all the days and the years and let them be lights to the expanse in the heavens and give light upon the earth. And it was so. Now, God created these, these lights, and then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And so there's people out throughout history that are worship, have worshipped the sun, have worshipped the moon. And it, that's the, the worldview is that the sun is everything. Well, the sun is a really big deal. If you go to science class, it's a big deal. But guess what? God's a bigger deal. God created those things. He said not to worship those things, but to see that in his creation, God, I, I don't think I have a clue how big you are. You look at the expanse of the universe, or at least what we can see with our naked eye, or even a telescope or a Hubble telescope, and you go, wow, this is, this is a big, this is really big, and I'm really small. In the beginning, God created. That is a worldview that I think it's got to be continued to try to, to, to wrap our brains around and be re-reminded of. Let's go to verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with, with living creatures. So God created the great sea creatures and goes on. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and saying, be fruitful, multiply in the waters and seas and let the birds multiply in the earth. And there was evening and there was morning a fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the creatures according to the kind, livestock, creeping things, beasts of the earth, according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps along the ground according to, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man. Kind of interesting, built into this, and I didn't say this last hour, but let us, that's the Godhead, God the Father, God the Spirit, Son, and God the Spirit, let us make man in our image. We are made in the imago Dei of God. That doesn't mean we have fingers and he doesn't have fingers and toes and hair. And that's not that. Imago Dei, his, his, uh, his image is he, uh, his ability to reason, his ability to think. His ability, we got a little piece of that. He gave us a little bit of his, his ability to, to feel and to love and to care and to do justice and love mercy and to make decisions. That's, a, that's the Imago Dei. That's the image of God. And God made us in his image. None of the other animals have his image. Not like that. Not a full dose like that. They, and people argue, well, my horse does this and my dog does it. Well, yeah, that's good. But you know, do you take your dog to the orchestra? 
Say, wasn't that a great, that third movement was just so special. No, you don't say that to your dog. You may lay there. They're special. Don't, I'm going to get a whole bunch of letters. I love dogs, okay? So <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Cats are definitely not the Imago Dei. I, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, well, just keep the cards and letters coming. I'm going to be wonderful. But God is the, he's the main character here. And I think he wants us to know that. He's in the beginning, God created this. That is a worldview. That's a, that's a game changer for a lot of people. But that is what the box looks like. That's what he tells us. Do I fully understand that? No, I don't fully understand all that, how he did it. No, no, I don't fully get it. But I will tell you, if I have time for this, uh, I don't really have time. I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so one of the things, I got beefs, you know, and one of the things that one of my beefs is, when you're going somewhere and they're explaining something, I can remember being on this one trip and they say, well, that layer is like 50 billion years old and this next layer is the sandstone and that's 20 billion years old. And so what they want you to believe, and I don't say this, I keep my mouth shut, but right now I got the microphone. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. So, But what they want you to believe is this layer was 50 billion years ago and this layer was 30 billion years ago. And so this layer stayed there for 20 million billion years and and it doesn't have a crease, a crevice, and nothing in it. It's flat. And then there's this other layer that came on. So you're expecting me to say that those two layers got laid down so perfectly. And you can go, you can go between here and, and uh, Vitavu and see this. The, the sedimentary layers. The only thing that explains that is what God describes as a global flood. And then the fact that there are actually bones in those layers. I mean, not just bones, but whole skeletons of animals, reptiles in those layers. It's, it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. And, and every, my common sense tells me, you know, you get, a, you get a buffalo that dies in the prairie. That buffalo is not going to sit there for, and his bones aren't going to sit there for 30 billion years until it fills in and makes a fossil. This bone's going to be this way, this way, whatever. The coyotes are going to take it. That's what common sense tells me. It's what we know. That's reality. The only way that you have a fossil is it has to be buried really quickly by something really powerful and then engulfed. And you need to, you know, if this isn't a part of your worldview, there is so much out there about the sedimentary layers. And it just proves it's like this had to be laid down quickly. It's like something big happened. And these sediments were floating around and they, were, they started laying down limestone and the sandstone and the different kinds of sediments. And they're and they're they're flat. When you look at them, you you can see that they they're one on top of another. That's a worldview. But this is what the box says. The box says that there was a flood, a global flood, and it explains a lot of things. But yet we don't look at that particular worldview. Huh. I feel so much better. I don't know if you do, but not. That just helps me get that off my chest. I think the main character of Genesis, book of Genesis, is God. I think the main theme is beginnings. In fact, the word Genesis means beginnings. 
The genesis of something is the beginning of something. And so God gives us the genesis of, and if you would read, if you want to go all in, read Genesis 1 through 11, because in there they say that if you understand Genesis 1 through chapters 1 through 11, you'll understand all the beginnings that are set forth and that go throughout time. The beginning of the, of the universe that we see in Genesis 1-1. The beginning of men. The beginning of, of, of marriage. The beginning of, of uh, sin. The beginning of or the fall or of evil. You can see that the beginning of that beginning as a part of this. You can see the beginning of nations in the, in the Tower of Babel. You can see the beginning of uh, a line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob starts in Genesis. Um, we can see Genesis chapter six, that's Noah. We can see the, the beginnings of how kind of even a rebeginning, if you will, to call it that. But in after, after he gets off the, the ark, he says, uh, I want man has the ability to judge. He said, if man takes another man's life, his life will be required of him. So God gave his theocratic administration of government to Noah. The beginning of government is right there. There's all these beginnings start in Genesis. And so if we look at this, the order of creation, the power of creation, the creativity of creation, and the importance of creation, I want to I want to reinforce this. I haven't read this passage for a while. It's one of those passages I kind of I kind of lean on, I lean on it a long time and then I haven't read it for a while and I think it's important we come back to it. It's Romans 1:18. It's one of those passages been grounded in my soul because this is Look, look at what God does. He says, all these things, man is responsible and we're responsible because because we can see this for ourselves in reality. Let me read it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their own unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen or perceived ever since the creation of the world. There it is. God's creative order, God's creation is saying that we have seen his power. We have seen his majesty. You can look at the sun, you can look at the moon, you can look at the mountains. You know what amazes me? I just think, you know, rivers that just, if you go see a river, it's just like, flows into the ocean. Get one of those big rivers, Mississippi or something. Something flows into the ocean, Nile River. Watch the thing flow into the ocean. Then no ocean doesn't change its, it never fills up because there's clouds that take rain and that dumps it on the land or dumps it on the mountains and snows on the mountains and it melts and it flows down through. It's just this massive cycle. It's fantastic. We see this happening. We can actually see it better than most people because we're right here and we get to see the majesty of the mountains. You get to see the changing of the seasons. Things get cold, they die off. A few months later, it starts sprouting up again and it becomes green and it's growing. And it's like, it's the most magnificent thing that God has put in place. And he's saying, you've all seen God's majesty, his creativity. And because you've seen that, you've seen his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they were, they are without excuse for, although they knew God, 
They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claimed to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of a God for glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. So what he's really going after here is like, man, you've seen creation. And you, you're saying that you're going to make a God out of stone or out of wood, and you're going to prop that up, and then everybody's going to bow down to that stone or that wood. I'll just tell you, that's God's number one. Don't put any other gods before me. Because you are res- we are all responsible throughout all history. All mankind has been responsible because they can see suns, moons, stars, expanse. We can even see deeper and further into space. We can even explain the, the, the tides and the, the clouds and the, all the weather. We, have, we can explain it better than any people ever. And yet we still miss God. We can still have the worldview that this thing was all started by a big bang and it just evolved due to you. Unbelievable. It became futile. And why do, why do people's foolish hearts, why are they darkened? You know, I don't, I don't fully understand this, but I, I would say, I think I know this. I think our hearts, man's hearts have darkened because there's things about this book that we don't like. And it says something, he's like, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. So I throw this and throw that, that out. And so we can say, I, I don't, then you can start picking and choosing what you believe. And then I think people just stop thinking about it. If you really thought about it, evolution, really, really thought about it. If you thought about the fossil record or sedimentation. One of the things that uh, this book talks about is that it uses, it, it uses an example of stories, how a whole bunch of stories like that Titan was a story 20 years before the actual Titanic. It doesn't mean Titanic isn't real. It just is like amazing. There's another story. One of the things today that's being used a lot is different kinds of stories that are kind of throwing people off. And he, he articulates this really well. Let's see if I can find this, this spot in here. He says, uh, and this is in particular around the person of Christ. He said, take, for example, one version of this view that has been especially popular in recent years. I call it the recycled redeemer theory. According to this claim, the record we have for Jesus's life is nothing more than a kind of a folklore plagiarism, a mere rehashing of the fictions of ancient uh, mythology, bits and pieces of lives of pagan mystery, mystery really religion figures like uh, Mathiris, uh, uh, Dionysus, Orisaurus, Atias, Hor- Horus, Adonis. I've looked, I looked up some of these. Um, they are all different. Like there's a, there, one of them's a Greek God and one's a uh, Egyptian God and one's uh, actually an Iranian God. But there, there's, uh, there's these different gods that have different forms of God, human, kind of that God-man kind of thought. So that's what he's saying here. And there's, there's all these things I've been saying, well, and Jesus is just another one of those mysterious mythical figures like these were. And so he's just thrown into the mix. And what he says, continue on and quote, he says, these have been recycled and been cobbled together. They say to fabricate a story of the dying and raising God-man from Nazareth. See, if, if you can just water down, it's like, oh, that's all. Yeah, it's, it's just like that mythological figure in, in the past. If you can water that down, then make Jesus. And if you don't really think about it, 
or don't go looking for the proof of that thing. You don't wonder if you don't go all in and try to figure this out for yourself. You're going to, you can be swayed by anything. And I think that's one of the things that's happened in our society. We are very swayed by, I actually think it's people that, that don't want to believe uh, this is the, this is what the, the box cover looks like. They want to read this because there's something that they have a conflict with this or they have a conflict with God. One of the two, God didn't answer their prayer like he wanted him to. So then I'm going to bail on God and therefore I can pick and choose what I want to put in my worldview. That's why, that's why pictures don't look like, like God's picture. My challenge is to you to go all in and to look at your picture. Challenge yourself with your picture. Is, is my worldview matching the things that, that the Bible talks about? So the main character is God. The main, main theme, I think, is beginnings. You see, it's, there's a lot of themes, but this is one of them. And the creation is one of the main things that God says, everyone is without excuse because you've seen, you've experienced, you've touched creation. Main plot. I think one of the main plots, one of the, one of the main actions in Scripture, there's a lot of them. Love is one of them. Justice is one of them. But redemption. Redemption runs from the very beginning of this book all the way to the end of this book. Redemption runs all the way through. I think it's the main plot of the book. He made us in his image. We are part of the Imago Dei. We messed it up in the fall. We, we disobeyed God and sin into the world through one, one man, Adam. And so there had to be, that was the problem. There had to be someone to solve that problem. That someone was Jesus. That's what he did. He came and he was the problem solver. He redeemed us from that sin issue. Some people don't think that sin's that big of an issue. It is to God. It's one of those things we're going to have to stand before God for our, for our sin, for our, the things that we disobey God on. One of the most beautiful things about this Redeemer, and Casey, Casey articulated it so well, is that he came, he, he loved us so much. Here's the thing about God that I don't think we fully understand, that God is perfect love, perfect but he's also perfect justice and he can't cut corners on these things. And when you can't cut corner on justice, that means when I sin, he can't just wink at my sin. That sin has to be paid for. Even the this, this smallest sin, it's, it's got to be paid for. And that's what the redeemer did. That was our problem. We got, we disobeyed God. We've all disobeyed God. We all have evil hearts. So you all have selfish hearts. But the Redeemer came and made it possible. He stood in our place and took all of our sin and placed it on himself. And he died for my sin and for your sin so that you and I could be replaced. Our sin could be replaced with his righteousness. That is a worldview that's like, that makes it makes perfect sense of the world today, but not everybody believes that worldview. They figure out a different way to have a hero take care of things, or they have a different way how things are going to end. But the Christian worldview, as, as uh, Gregory Corkle says, it's the only one that really makes sense. It's the only one that matches reality. God created. That's how it began. So what's the problem? Sin. You can say the problem is all kinds of things in our society. 
God calls us in. Matches reality. There's one man, this real person, this God man named Jesus that redeemed us. He shed his real blood for you and I. Stood in our place so that we could be restored before Almighty God. So that you and I have an opportunity to finish. How does this thing end? It's a kingdom. It's a kingdom that's with, with, a, with a realm and with a king and with a, with a, a real place of a kingdom. That's the story. And it, it matches the reality. And I would imagine when you start talking about kingdom, that matches a reality in each one of our hearts. Like I understand. I understand kingdom. I never grew up in a, in a, in a government that had a king and, you know, subjects. And, but, I, but I've read about it. And when I hear God talk about it and he describes this king and a kingdom and subjects and how this is going to be this eternal glory in his, in his kingdom. Something about that that resonates way down in our souls because I think it's been put there. Main plot, the redemption. We're made for a purpose. I think one of the things that you'll find as we go through these steps is if you go all in and you do this growth track with us, one of the things you're going to find is, is that we all have a purpose. Adam and Eve had a purpose. Their purpose was fill the earth and subdue it. Have children, fill this place. And your children have children. And their children's children have children. They lived a long time. So they probably were great, 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 great. They saw several, several generations an amazing thing. And he said, also fill the earth and subdue it and then rule over it. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can take those little seedlings and saplings and line them all up in a row if you want to, or you can put them in three over here and three over here. You can put a shrub with one of them. You can put a, a tree, a fruit tree with one of them. You can, you, you rule over this place, do whatever you want to plant grass in it. You think, I wonder if in the kingdom of God, if in the garden, they had to mow it. Messes my picture a little bit. But they had to tend it. They had to care for it. They had work. They had a purpose. And I would tell you, still today, we have a purpose. God has put us on this planet for a purpose. And part of this thing we do, our growth track, is it's like we, we talk about the things of God, to know God. But another thing we do is to find our purpose. Why did God put me on this planet? What are my gifts? And then how can I put those gifts to work? How can I serve God in this whole plan, this picture of this worldview. Well, I think it's important that we have accurate worldviews. I think it shapes everything. And I think every one of us have some pieces that are probably, if we be honest, that are out of place. And I hope you're coachable and teachable enough to say, you know what, I, that piece actually fits over here, or this is over here. Or you know what, that piece doesn't fit at all. That's from a whole different kind of puzzle, a whole different worldview. A lot of times we scramble these worldviews. I think we all need to go through and think through. How'd this thing begin? What went wrong? How can we fix it? How was it fixed? What's the, what's the end game? I can tell you one of the things about this end game that God gives us is that, uh, is that he gave us his son. And Casey just articulated it so well. He, he stood in the gap for, he willingly took my bullet. That's the most amazing thing. He willingly took my punishment so that I could be live life and I could be made clean and I could live with him in eternity. 
See, God didn't need me, but he desires to have me and you join in his kingdom plan. One of the things you've got to have in this worldview and understand it is this redemption. I don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't cut corners. He says, I'm the way and I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Before we leave here today, I just want you to just bow your heads and pray with me. I want you to pray with me to go for you to go all in this next year. That could be all in just coming to church. It could be all in getting in a Bible study. It could be all in going through these growth tracks. We can go all in to say, I'm going to find out how God's wired me and how I can serve. Just to go all in, see what God will do in you. See what God can do through you. If you go this, seek with all your heart, with all in. Father, I pray for that person today that might, that might admit they kind of skirted around this God-man thing this redemption thing. Maybe they thought in their worldview, there's another way to get to you. Jesus said, there's one way to get to you. And Lord, if there's someone that even today can say, you know what? I, I need to change that piece of the puzzle in my worldview. It's to believe that Jesus Christ died in my place. That you place the iniquity of all mankind. You place my iniquity on Jesus on the cross and he died for it, to satisfy the wrath or the justice that you have towards sin, to correct the fall or the, the sin of, that we're all guilty of in Adam. And by receiving this gift of this substitutionary death on the cross, I somehow you've written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. To receive this gift, and that's what you need, even this prayer today, I receive this. Humbly receive this great salvation. Lord, I pray that as we go this year, that, that we'll take the all-in challenge, whatever that may look like. Maybe I need to look all in to see even the beginnings. Do I really believe that, that God created? Do I really believe that I'm made in the image of God? Do I really believe that sin entered in through disobedience? That sin separates us from God? I really believe that there's a redeemer. God, I pray, or do I, and finally, do I really believe there's a kingdom, that there's a place that we're going that's uh, on the other side of this life, eternal. And help us, I pray. Help us to go all in. Help us with our own puzzle pieces. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Make sure to check out our companion podcast where we dig deeper into an aspect of each week's sermon with questions and applications that are great for your Bible study or your grow group conversations. Like and subscribe to the channel as well so you don't miss any of our sermons or content. And if you're interested in our church, come check us out at CheyenneHills.org. And remember, be strong and very courageous.